0: The Rooted is, is coming up soon. It's a valuable experience. I want to encourage you uh, to sign up for that. Again, it's just one of those things that um, we have found to be of great value and want to encourage you to be part of. Uh, while they're finishing that up, let's uh, watch this uh, short uh, clip and uh, we'll get, uh, get started this
1: morning. Sun goes down and stars fill the skies, and you cuddle in your covers and shut your little eyes, and you slip into slumber and dreams swirl in. <clears throat> That's the time when the party begins. Scout elves don't rest when the nighttime comes. Got the house to myself, I have some fun. I eat and play and jump and run. Scout elves don't night time comes. The are playing carols on the radio all month long. I could dance all night to every song and head to the kitchen to stuff my tum. Scout elves don't rest when the night time comes. I could hang from a glider and sail on the breeze or swing a chandelier like a flying trapeze or take our dog out on a late night run. Scout elves don't rest when the night time comes. i dress for the weather. i bake up treats. i I grab Santa's letters and fly up north to see St. Nick, then head back home and make it quick. Scout elves don't rest when the nighttime comes. Got the house to myself, I have some fun. I build snowmen and sing the song. Scout elves don't rest when the nighttime comes. The elf on the shelf doesn't rest when the nighttime comes. Yeah.
0: (laughs) How many of you in your family, your kids, grandkids do the elf on the shelf thing? Anybody? Okay, yeah, we don't do it at the Scott house, uh, mainly because I want my kids to know Santa doesn't need a spy. I am watching how you behave. (laughs) That's enough, right? (laughs) I have a list, I'm checking it twice. Um, No, it would not surprise me to learn that many of you uh, maybe could identify with the elf on the shelf. You've not gotten much rest lately. Though I doubt most of you are as chipper about it as he is. We're going to talk about rest today. Thank you for being here. If it's your first time here at Chapel Rock, you're like, "Hey, before the year ends, we ought to make it to church." (laughs) Uh, You know, I'm glad you're here. I'd love to meet you. Uh, When we're done, I'll be down front. Please come say hi. If you're joining us online, thanks for logging in. Appreciate that. Uh, Let us know. Uh, Use your online connection card that you're doing that. Uh, We actually have some folks who normally watch online who are here today, Uh, and that might be. uh, I know I met some of them in the lobby, and might be you. I don't know. So we're, but we're glad. If if you're local, please come visit us on site. most of our people who watch online tell us when they're here, like, man, there's just something you can only get uh, when, when you're here with everybody. Um, we're going to talk about rest today. Open your Bibles to, or Bible apps to Luke uh, chapter 2, starting in verse 25. Luke 2, starting in 25 through 35, that's where we're going to be today. We're going to look at a text that is not often included in our telling of the Christmas story, but I believe it absolutely belongs there. It's absolutely uh, crucial that we see this. For the past month, we've been in a sermon series uh, looking at some of these uh, Christmas carols, these songs that we sing during this season, and allowing them to guide our uh, discussion on Sunday morning. Hopefully, over the last couple weeks, you've learned uh, something new that you didn't know or learned to appreciate something that you did know, something familiar in a new way or with a deeper level of appreciation. Um, But not only did we want you to learn something We wanted that knowledge to help you enjoy Christmas even more fully and cause you to share this good news of great joy with somebody in your life. But we didn't want to leave this season behind, though, without looking at one more carol. God Rest Ye Merry Gentlemen. God Rest Ye Merry Gentlemen is a traditional English Christmas carol. It's really one of the oldest ones we have. Uh, We're not totally sure when it was written. It's dated to the mid-16th century. So, mid-1500s, somewhere, is, is when this uh, was written. And its age is part of the reason that I'm pretty sure that practically all of us in this room have been singing it wrong our whole lives. I have your attention now? Okay. You have almost certainly thought of the word Mary in God rest ye, Mary, gentlemen, as an adjective describing the kind of gentleman that we're talking about. That is wrong. You've thought of it like this, God rest ye, merry gentlemen, and that's how we would understand the phrase in 21st century American English. The thing is, is that the English language in England in the 1500s was a very different animal than you know it now. If you want to know how this, word, uh, this song was originally meant to be understood, you've got to move the comma over one word, like this. God rest ye merry, gentlemen. See, punctuation matters. Punctuation matters. It, it might even save your life. For example, there's a big difference between let's eat, grandma, and let's eat, grandma. I mean, those are two <laughs> totally different things punctuation saves lives you know um, in the carol the word merry is not an adjective describing gentlemen rather it is an adverb modifying the kind of rest we are to have the song is expressing a desire that God would make you merry in your rest he would rest you Mary. In other words, the carol is about God causing you to experience the overflow of His peace, making sure that you rest easy in, in His gracious shalom. Today we're going to be talking about how this beloved Christmas song expresses a wish that Jesus' entry into the world would continually make you joyful and whole. Today we're going to talk about how to live and feel like Christmas all year long. That's what this is about. That's what that song is about. And the passage I want to set alongside it is one that I believe absolutely belongs in our telling of the Christmas story because I think it expresses the idea of rest and joy and peace and, ah, better than anything else. It's a story about a day that Mary and Joseph took an eight-day-old baby Jesus to the temple and they met an old man named Simeon. Look with me at Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 25. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was on him. By the way, interesting thing, in Luke's gospel, he talks about the Holy Spirit being on somebody. But Luke, who also wrote Acts, you should pay attention then when he says that the Holy Spirit will be in you. Prior to the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit is on. After the day of Pentecost, at the inauguration of the church, the Holy Spirit is in. Not only does punctuation matter, so do pronouns, okay? The Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. So this is the big open area temple. This is, you know, where where anybody can go. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, This child is destined to cause the rising and falling of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Prophesying Mary watching her own son die on the cross in her place for her sins. See, I believe that we can know The joy and rest that Simeon knew that day in the temple when he encountered the baby Jesus. Here's what I want you to hear me say today. It's our big idea this morning. The birth of Jesus continually gives us joy when we rest in the finished work of God. The birth of Jesus continually gives us joy when we rest in the finished work of God. When you see with your own eyes what God has done in Christ, when you're able to finally understand the powerful impact of God Himself entering into creation, just like Andy said earlier, fully God, fully man, then you will be filled with a sense of rest and joy, I believe, like you've never known before. The message of the text in Luke chapter 2 is essentially what the carol, God rest you merry gentlemen, is wishing all those who sing it that you would experience, that you would know, that you would perceive, that you would feel the rest and wholeness and peace of Jesus all year long. That you would really know that deep down. See, the way that this song works The structure of the carol is absolutely brilliant, okay? Here's how this works. There's a couplet, which is two lines together in poetic terms, in each verse that describes the way that God rests us merry. And due to the artistry of the songwriter, with one exception, the verses themselves are thematically structured as couplets, so verse 1 and 4 go together, verse 2 and 5 go together, verse 3 and 6 all go together in pairs, the exception is verse 7, and you'll see why in a little while. Each one of these couplets, I believe, express something that consoled Simeon. He says, my eyes have seen your consolation. Now we tend to think of that word as negative, right? Like that's what you get when you don't win the sweepstakes, <laughs> You get a consolation prize. It's a set of pans. Woo. Um, you know, but I wanted $4 million. Well, sorry. Um, he's using the word a different way. The word, as Simeon used it, for consolation means something that you have eagerly, earnestly, prayerfully asked for and finally received. You know, some of you maybe remember asking for something for Christmas. Some of you kids did it, this over and over and over again, and then finally mom and dad came through, you know? (laughs) Dad got a raise. Um, And ta-da, and you get this thing. That's the word, that's the way he's using the word consolation here. My eyes, it's it's finally, (laughs) I'm seeing God do what I've been asking him to do for so long, okay? So each one of these couplets in the song reveals something that consoled Simeon. And they reveal four ways that the birth of Jesus allows our souls to rest Mary. Here's the first one. He saves us from Satan's power." We see this in verse four, or verse one and verse four. So, so let's look at these. Jesus entry into the world? It gives us rest. It gives us wholeness because He saves us from Satan's power. We see this in verses one and four. Here's verse one. "God rest ye, Mary." Gentlemen. <laughs> now I, you'll never sing it the same way twice. Right? You'll pause there and people will be like, you're out of tune. Um, so, God rest ye merry gentlemen, let nothing you dismay, remember Christ our Savior was born on Christmas Day. This is poetic license, we don't know exactly when. It might have been December 25th, there's actually a growing body of evidence that suggests it very well could have been. Uh, some people say, oh, that date was just chosen to co-opt a pagan celebration. Here's the thing. In the ancient literature, the, the, the pagan celebration of Saturnalia never appears in literature prior to two or 300 A.D. So this idea that, that cri- the date of Christmas was picked to co-opt a pagan thing, actually some of the more recent research is showing that may not be True. And therefore, that might be the actual that we don't, but we don't know. We just don't know. Okay. So to save us all from Satan's power, uh, remember Christ our Savior was born on Christmas Day. To save us all from Satan's power when we were gone astray. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy, comfort and joy. And then in verse four says this: "Fear not," then said the angel. Let nothing you affright. On this this day is born a Savior of a pure virgin bright. Here's the couplet. To free all those who trust in him from Satan's power and might. (laughs) Oh, tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy, comfort and joy. Now, these verses are about God's response to save us from our enemy Satan. This is what Simeon is praising God for in Luke chapter 3 verse, or Luke chapter 2 verse 30 he says my eyes have seen your salvation the word salvation there is the word for divine deliverance that God showed up, now kids it's like this, this is way better than when Batman or, or Spider-Man rescues somebody out of a dangerous situation and leaves them stranded on a rooftop have you ever seen that in the cartoons, you know what I'm talking about Evan you know what I'm talking about, they'll rescue them and they'll drop them on a rooftop and then fly off, like Dude, I don't know how to get down. I can't fly. Um, it always bugged me as a kid. Like, go to, get him on the ground at least away from the bad guy. Um, no, God's rescue is even greater. See, the entry of Jesus for Simeon means that God is doing way more than just throwing a parachute to someone falling to their death and saying, Hope you figure out how to run that before you hit Simeon's prayer is tapping into some powerful Old Testament themes which are way more comprehensive than just, hey, when can we get rid of the Romans? See, when you have gone astray, that's what the Bible is talking about when you sin, (laughs) when you have gone astray, God saved you because He loves you. And all you have to do is put your trust in Jesus to be saved from Satan's power. Do you, do you understand this? When you trust in Christ, Satan has no power over you. None. When you're trusting in Jesus, Satan's got no influence, no power. Trust in Christ completely nullifies the power of Satan in your life. And Simeon says, that is a consolation to me. It causes his heart to rest merry. The word consoled there, remember, it means to receive something you've earnestly asked for. So when you have asked and waited for God to act and He finally does that, wow, there are a few things that are of greater comfort and peace giving in your life than that. But there's a second way that Jesus' entry into the world causes us to rest, Mary. The second thing is that He inspires devotion. He inspires devotion. And we see this in verse 2 and verse 6. Now, this is a little trickier to pick out uh, in, the, um, in the text, but, but we really see it in the song. Look at this. Uh, I want to, again, show you these two couplets from verse uh, 2 and verse 6. In, here's how the song goes. In Bethlehem in Israel, this blessed babe was born and laid within a manger upon this blessed morn. Again, it's poetry. It's rhyming. Jesus was born at night, not in the morning. The text is very clear. <laughs> anyway, um, so uh, here's the couplet. That which his mother Mary did nothing take in scorn. Okay? The idea there is, it really, it's referencing Luke 2, 19, where it says Mary, tre- you, know, um, you know, treasured all these things in her heart. That, that she really, she pondered these things, okay? Tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy. And then in verse 6, it says this, And when they, the shepherds, came to Bethlehem, where our dear Savior lay, they found him in a manger, where oxen feed on hay... His mother Mary kneeling down unto the Lord did pray. Tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy. These verses are about Mary's response to what God has done through Jesus. If you go back to Luke 1:46 through 53, you see Mary's uh, song in response to the news that she would be the mother of the Messiah. Even in our text today, you get a sense of Mary's devotion to God. Uh, that, that they go to the temple. Jesus is eight days old. There's a a custom in Jewish law about what to do with little boys when they're eight days old. That's all I'm going to say about that because some of them are here right now. All right? (laughs) You know. If not, Google it. Um, That's what they go to do. It's their their devotion to the law. They're they're obeying the law of Moses. All right? And at first, that that doesn't sound... and, And then the text says that they marvel about it. Mary and Joseph marveled about what, what Simeon said about baby Jesus. Well, it's like both Mary and Joseph had received angelic visitors, right? I mean, Gabriel showed up to both of them and gave them the inside scoop. Here's what's going to happen. So I have this, why are they wondering? Like, they, they know, right? <laughs> Some of you love the song, Mary, Did You Know? She did, right? <laughs> um. <coughs> she had no questions about it. So why is the, she marveled? What? Here's the thing: if you do a little digging, you'll find out that the word translated "marveled" in Luke two thirty three is Luke's normal word for the response of people who've just witnessed a miracle. The word that he's using here is the word that he normally uses when someone sees a miracle happen. Their, their wonder over the, the, what's said about their baby son is actually a response in worship. They're worshiping God in that moment when they hear this. And so when you see God's decisive action to bring healing and wholeness and rest into your life through Jesus should inspire devotion in your heart. Now let me tell you about devotion. The, this, this idea of attachment and connection and love. Some of you, I, this is big time college sports stuff, right? I mean, I'm watching Facebook and I'm seeing all the posts about uh, the college ball games and stuff. And, and that, you, if you think you're a crazy fan with football, you need to go overseas and talk to some soccer fans. Those guys are nuts. They are devoted. And let me tell you about one, all right? There's this guy. He's, his nickname is Yamuk Ali. It's, it translates to crazy Ali. And he is a passionate fan of the local soccer club, uh, Dennis Lisport. And so passionate is his love for his team, his devotion to them. He had been banned from the stadium for a year. <laughs> Because of a previous incident of him expressing his extreme devotion to his team, he'd been banned, all right? So, there was this match coming up, and it was super important for their team to advance to the finals or whatever. I'm not making this up. He rented a crane to watch the game from outside the stadium. Look, here's a picture of it. (laughs) Do Do you see him? He parked it. He had to go to the police station. I'm, this is totally true. He had to go to the police station, sign an affidavit saying he was not watching the game from inside the stadium, then immediately went and ran to the crane. Raised it up, and <laughs> you could see me waving the team flag and cheering, yo, no, go, 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 go. Well, they called the police and he had to put it down. And, and the stunt cost him 86 bucks. He wasn't fined. His team won. It was a good day, right? It was, That's devotion, man. Gotta watch my team. Mary and Joseph weren't the only ones who are devoted in the text. Simeon is too. Remember, he's got a revelation from God that he's not going to die until he sees the Messiah. And so this question has been challenging me for the last couple weeks. I feel like God has been speaking this into my life. Casey, are you devoted enough to me to wait on my timing? I don't often have a good answer for that question. Because usually, usually, if I'm being honest here, it's kind of my job. No. I, I don't know. That challenges me. What if God were to say that to you? I am not going to release you from your service until this thing is accomplished. Can you hang in there and be faithful? Until then, I want to. I feel like the guy in Mark's gospel that says to Jesus, I do believe, help my unbelief. (laughs) I feel like that sometimes. I'll try. Help me become that devoted to you, Lord. I'm still working on it. And the reason for that is because of the challenge of this next theme in the text. And the the third thing, rather, that we see in the carol and the text is that Jesus outranks everything. He outranks everything. We see this in verse 3. We see this in verse 5. See, one of the most significant ways that God will give you rest is, is when, when you just get out of the way and let him outrank everything else in your life. When you let Jesus outrank everything else, you're going to have true and lasting wholeness and peace and rest. Look at verse 3. Listen to verse 3 and verse 5 of God rest you, Mary gentlemen. From God our heavenly Father, a blessed angel came, and unto certain shepherds brought tidings of the same. Here's the couplet. How that in Bethlehem was born, the Son of God by name. Tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy, comfort and joy. And then in verse 5. The shepherds at those tidings rejoiced much in mind and left their flocks of feeding in tempest, storm, and wind and went to Bethlehem straight away, the Son of God to find Oh tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy, comfort and joy. Now this third set of couplets is about the response of the shepherds. Other rulers in history, Egyptian, Greek, Roman, had claimed the title, lowercase son of lowercase g, God. But all of them were just play acting. Trying to claim a title they didn't deserve. And one truly amazing thing about the birth of Jesus is that God initially gives the the message of the birth of his son to, well, not the people you'd expect. (laughs) He gives it to shepherds. And in the poetry of the song, they leave their sheep in the field to go worship Jesus. Huh, I seem to remember Jesus saying something else about a shepherd leaving sheep in the field to go find somebody. I, we don't know if they left their sheep or took all of them with them into Beth. I don't. We don't know. The text doesn't say. We assume they left them. The point is the same. Part of the way that God gives us rest is when we allow Jesus to outrank everything else. And God, God will rest you, Mary, when you let Jesus outrank everything else in your life. Let me tell you a story. A guy named Bagus, not his real name. It's been changed to protect his identity. He grew up as a Muslim. He came to know Jesus, who the Muslims call Isa, in 2014, was baptized the following year. Bagus was interviewed by a Christian woman about the reason that he followed Jesus. He said, "It was because of my long, hard and troubled life, ma'am." And she said, "Well, when you finally decided, to, so when you finally decided to follow Jesus, your life wasn't troubled anymore?" "No, ma'am," he said. She said, "Well, what what did you do for a living before you followed Jesus?" "I was a, a trash collector." Well, what what do you do for a living now that you follow Jesus? I'm still a trash collector. (laughs) But looking at the external circumstances of his life, it'd be easy to conclude that his life has not improved since following Jesus. And so the journalist asked him, so how do you feel after following Isa Jesus? Oh, very different. I feel happy and restful, he said. And then he began to tell her the story. He was a house church leader in his village. House church had about 15 people in it. And one day on the street, he was sharing Jesus with somebody on a street corner, and the authorities witnessed this. They arrested him and every other member in his house church and took them out to a rice paddy, ostensibly to kill them. I I wish I could tell you, I I don't know what happened to the other 15 people. Bagus refused to return to Islam. That was the threat. Maybe we don't know what happened to them, but he refused. And the village elders then forced him to, to um, separate from his family, from his wife and kids. He's not allowed to be with them anymore. Kids, can you imagine your, your, your dad not being allowed to live with you because he loves Jesus, only because he loves Jesus? There's a man, we'll call him Bogus. that that's his life. <laughs> and so the, he can only see his wife and kids periodically now, and it's got to be supervised. And, and so the journalists ask him, how do you feel about that? You're... You said your life got better. It doesn't look better to me. And and he said this. He says, I never regretted my decision to follow Jesus. I am following him wholeheartedly. You see, the way that, can, can you imagine having that kind of peace in your heart? Can you imagine having that kind of rest, that kind of sense that God was at work in you no matter what was going on in your life? That's what Jesus does when you let him outrank everything. When you let Jesus outrank everything else in your life, that's the kind of rest and peace He brings to you. He will rest you, Mary. Which leads us really to the final verse in this wonderful song. The fourth thing that God does to rest us, Mary, is that He overcomes every story. This is, this is the, the exception. This is verse 7, which kind of stands alone. Because it's not about the shepherd's response. It's not about Mary's response. It's not about what God did. This is about your response. This is about my response to the Christmas story. The final verse of God, rest you, Mary, gentlemen, is about our response to the gospel. Listen. Now to the Lord sing praises, and you within this place, and with true love and brotherhood, each other now embrace. Look at this, this holy tide of Christmas, all other doth deface. O tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy, comfort and joy. Now again, this is, a song is almost 500 years old, <laughs> and so the word deface may not be the best choice of words, the idea, at least for us, the idea is brilliant. What the song is saying is that the the story of Jesus, the story of Christmas, which the song calls the holy tide of Christmas, it's not getting detergent for a gift, okay? It's um, the holy tide of Christmas, it overcomes, as the song says, defaces every other story. You see, Simeon was waiting for God to overcome his story. When it finally happened, his heart overflowed in joy, and he said, Now, sovereign Lord, you may dismiss your servant in peace. Now, here's the thing. That's how we translate it in English to make sense for us. In in the original language of the New Testament, which was written in Greek, you can rearrange words to to provide emphasis in a sentence. Okay? And so in, in, in the original, it's now dismiss. Lord. Now dismiss. What he's saying is, now, God, now I've seen your story has finally overcome my story, God. Now I can be released and have peace. (laughs) See, I don't think Simeon is saying, okay, now I can finally die in peace. I think what he's saying is, now my story is complete. God has overcome my story. What about you? There's a wonderful book um, called uh, The Jesus Storybook Bible. Here's a picture of it. Parents, you need to get this for your kids. It's powerful. They they just, over and over and over again, they show how the Bible points to Jesus in every place. And I want to read you a little bit of, of one thing. This is how um, the, the Jesus Storybook Bible summarizes the Last Supper. It says this Jesus tells his followers, This is how God will rescue the whole world. My life will break, and God's broken world will mend. My heart will tear apart, and your hearts will heal. Then later he says, I won't be with you long. You're going to be very sad. But God's helper will come and then you'll be filled up with a forever happiness that won't ever leave. So don't be afraid. You are my friends and I love you. And I don't know about your heart, but mine can rest Mary knowing that. Here's what I need you to understand today and we're done. The birth of Jesus continually gives us joy when we rest in the finished work of God. Simeon got to see part of God's work be finished in his time. And that gave him, to him that was tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy, comfort and joy. You too will get to see some of God's work be finished in your time. And one day... One day, if you're a follower of Jesus, you'll see it all done and complete. One day, God will turn around the tapestry of history, which has looked so messy and broken and just awful, and you'll see the whole thing. And it'll make sense, and it'll be beautiful, and you'll be able to rest Mary in Jesus forever. And so my invitation to you today is this, if you don't know the peace that Jesus gives when you surrender your life to him, in just a moment we're going to sing together and I invite you to come to the front and do that today. If you need a prayer, someone to pray with you and for you for healing and wholeness, our counselors will be down front. You can come and receive prayer. If you want to have a conversation with somebody about your story, again, just go to the Next Step room, come down front. As we conclude our Christmas season this year, let's one more time sing of God's desire to rest us Mary, in Jesus. Would you stand with me and let's sing together.